Welcome to We Are Water, a podcast by Beaver Watershed Alliance. I'm your host, Carrie Byron. With this podcast, we aim to spark discussion on the importance of watershed conservation through conversations with our partners and stories from our fieldwork. During September, we are discussing agricultural best management practices, and this week we welcome Ronnie Horn. Ronnie is the County Extension Agent for Agriculture in Washington County, and he joins us today to talk about conservation practices in agriculture. Welcome to the podcast, Ronnie. How are you today? I'm good. It's Friday and it's going to be low in the high 70s today, so you can't really complain. We have had some great fall weather finally. It's a nice change. I know. It is. Well, I'd like to start out our conversation today by having you describe what agricultural best management practices are. In my opinion, um, best management practices are, are things that we do to help uh, limit nu- nutrient um, runoff into our soils. Also, we work with streams and, and banks like that to help control erosion and also erosion in our pastures. Okay, great. What are the most common agricultural BMPs you see in northwest Arkansas? Well, you know... Being in Northwest Arkansas and we're in the nutrient management zone, um, uh, most people, you know, we routinely do soil tests and we also routinely do um, litter and waste um, tests on their manure. And so we can best blink, you know, your soil needs a certain amount of nutrients, your litter has a certain amount of nutrients, and we make sure that we're applying the right meals at the right time. Okay. I think that's probably the most common thing that's being done now in Northwest Arkansas, you know, to limit phosphorus and runoff and things like that. So, you know, I deal a lot with, um, we run a lot of soil tests and we run a lot of manure samples through our lab and just trying to help farmers be better stewards and, and make sure they're applying litter properly. Okay. Um, so if a farmer is interested in getting a soil or a manure test done, um, they just contact you, but then do they have to pay for that? Is there a cost? Okay, soil samples, and this is something um, since I started the job a year ago, I have learned and I have really pushed. Um, but soil test, we have a lab in Marianne, Arkansas, and they run the soil test there. Um, but there is a fee that is charged to all the fertilizers sold in Arkansas, and that provides for soil tests. It is a free service. Um, you know, when I get a call and we're talk- talking about pastures or garden or lawn, I immediately, the first thing I go to is, have you done a soil test? And okay. I tell them it's free. It's a simple procedure. It doesn't cost you anything. And to me, that is the baseline of evaluating everything. Once we figure out soil, then we can go to other practices and do other things. But it is a free service um, all they have to do is bring us two cups of soil. We have a basic questionnaire they fill out, and then we send it. And anywhere from a week to two weeks, they'll get the results back in an email. Or if they don't have an email, we'll mail them to them. And, uh, and then we can make recommendations from there. Uh, litter manure test, there is a charge. I would have to look. Um, but we send it to the lab, but there is a charge per sample. Okay. Oh, that's that sounds pretty easy. So you can just get yeah, it's simple. Yeah, so it's just one sample they can take from their field and just bring it right to you. Yes, 
and we tell them, you know, used to we would give out boxes, uh, but today's boxes are all barcoded, uh, so they can scan them at the lab, and that's how they track them through the lab. So we don't really give out the boxes anymore. Um, again, I just tell people a sandwich Ziploc bag, fill it up with soil. Um, I have a fact sheet I send out that talks about how to properly collect soil samples and try to get an average, you know, take 12, 15 samples on a place. And I also like to tell people there's no requirement. So, you know, if you have a front pasture, back pasture, front yard, backyard, um, you know, do samples for each one of them and bring it in and that way we have a better um, idea of what they're dealing with and it just makes it easier for us to make recommendations. So what's the most common um, problem I guess you see with soil samples that people bring in? What's what's the number one thing you recommend after you get that soil starting, Well, well you, know, you know, nitrogen is something that's not stored in the soil so people have to add that every year so it makes that recommendation but we're starting to see a lot of importance of potassium or potash is the form in terms of commercial fertilizer hmm. um i don't think we understood in the past how important potassium is for growth of pastures and lawns so a lot of people come in and they think they have a ph issue because you know we've heard all the time if you have broom sedge or other weeds you know your, your ph is probably off but that's usually not the case most of the time, their pastures are deficient in potassium. Um, you know, I had a farmer that had four wheat fields that he bales for silage, and he tested all four, and two were deficient in potassium and two weren't. And uh, he went ahead and just applied nitrogen, made the nitrogen recommendations, but didn't do the potassium. He called me in about a month, probably later. He says, hey, you need to come and look at these fields. He said, I can tell you which two are deficient in potassium just by standing at the fence and looking. Oh, wow. So I drove out there and the growth, there was less. I mean, the other places, they were 20, 25 inches tall as, as wheat was. The others, they were 15. It was weedier. I mean, it, it was, I mean, you could just see it. It was rather obvious. So after he cut it, he did what we said, recommended on nitrogen and potash. And by second cutting, the fields were pretty equal. So to me and him, it was a pretty eye-opening experience in, you know, how important potash and phosphorus. You know, normally we think about nitrogen because that's what makes everything green up and grow and look pretty. Sure. But there's a lot of other this and, you know, we need, and so, but it's an extra cost, and sometimes people are leery to spend the extra money, but it is, we are noticing how it's more important today than, than we realize. Well, it sounds like there really can be an economical advantage to doing some of these practices, and especially getting your soil tested. You know, I think, you know, we talk about erosion and soil loss. You know, to me, it doesn't matter if it's a flat field or on a hillside. You know, if we can establish grass and if we can keep a thick growth on that soil where you don't have bare spots, um, you know, you just have less sediment running off that field. You know, even if it's a flat field, you're still going to have sediment run off. And so the more grass that we can grow and the taller and thicker we can keep it, you know, the less sediment is going to run off every field in northwest Arkansas. So it's not only an economical advantage to the farmer having um, higher yield, but there's also a conservation and environmental advantage as well to the limiting the erosion and the nutrients. I think so. And, you know, and, and we're seeing more people starting to do pasture rotation, um, which I think is good because, 
you know, instead of having one pasture that we just graze off until there's nothing left, we, we can divide it up into a series of pastures and we can keep our growth, our grass taller, thicker, heavier, um, rotate the cows through, and then, you know, extend our growing season and hopefully feed less hay. You know, I heard somebody made a comment, you know, today we're hay farmers. You know, 50 years ago, we were grass farmers. Yeah. Um, you know, the and round baler and storing it has made it so much easier to over pasture and just feed hay longer. Um, you know, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. Whereas the people that rotational graze, you know, their, their fields are healthier. They have fewer weeds. Again, you have less runoff. Um, and so, and the, and the fields do better. You know, there's a little more drought resistant. They can withstand some things like that because the canopy's thicker. It's hit heavier um and the cows do better but there is some issues with that a lot with you know um you know you can get some cost sharing to help provide for fencing materials to help divide your pastures um you know you can get financing to help put in water tanks because the only the biggest limiting factor with pasture rotation is water um so there's funding there to help people you know put in water tanks uh, and more of them they can do pasture rotation. So with getting your soil straightened out and then also adding in pasture rotation, what other environmental benefits do you see from from implementing those practices besides just, you know, you know impacting your the economical side of your farm? Yeah, I think we'll see less chemical use, um, spraying herbicides because, you know, the natural grass will crowd out a lot of these weeds. Um, you know, I think our hay quality goes up, our grass quality goes up. So, you know, we feed less. And, um, and so I just think there's just a lot of advantages to it. You know, I go to fields where, you know, the, the, I'm, I'm working with a guy that has 70 acres. Well, last time he bailed it, he got 70 bales off of it. And it was oh. mostly a full of weeds and, and things like that. So he's working on reseeding and fertilization to try to improve his yield but also it'll just be healthier i mean his quality goes up you know sure. 70 bales it to be low quality um you know and we see a lot of work with i have a place that i just recently bought that has a creek running through it so i've become more aware of what to do in these cases so um in october i'm actually signed up to start working with the nrcs um, we're going to go through and probably fence off this creek. And it's, it's only, uh, it's dry most of the year. It's one of those during heavy rains, it has water in it, but the rest of the time it kind of dries off. Okay. So my idea is to keep cattle out of it. Um, so we're going to fence it off. And then a couple of times a year, we'll just flash graze it. You know, we'll turn them in there, graze along the edge of it. And, you know, I'm also going to do some pasture rotation, so I won't have to worry about them crossing it, except for, you know, a few times I move them from one side to the other, they won't be constantly daily making or crossing and creating issues with, you know, um, bank erosion and stream erosion. Sure. Oh, that's very cool. People are doing things like that. Yeah. I think we're seeing more of that to protect our streams um, when we can. Um, I'm working with another farmer. He kind of does the same thing. He uses hot wire, keeps them out of it. And, you know, but then a couple times a year we'll graze the grass that's in there just for you know put them in there in a, in a large number graze it down within a amount so we limit the impact they're making into the stream sure 
Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, well, I really appreciate you joining our podcast today, Ronnie. Um, you had some great stories, and thanks for sharing. Yes, it's been interesting. You know, I, I think I think we all, whether we have a lawn, whether we have a pasture, I just think there's lots of things we can do to limit our amount of runoff of fertilizer and chemicals. And I think everybody in Washington County is a part of that, whether you live in the city limits of Fayetteville or Springdale, or if you live in Goshen or Morrow. Um, and I think we all have a, a job, a role to play in this, um, you know, just to make Washington County better. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. There's still time to register for our annual symposium on September 24th. Simply send us an email, info at beaverwatershedalliance.org. Please share and rate the podcast and be sure to keep tuning in.